Weimart. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I so appreciate the family of uh, Spruce Grove Alliance Church, and uh, special congratulations to the Clark family today on that, that wonderful dedication. You know, as Pastor Scott has said, um, that's kind of the crowning jewel almost of a pastor's life, and uh, I've always really, really enjoyed that. I don't think in my experience I've ever had a, uh, an experience quite animated as that, but uh, Grandma was taking video, and I'm sure it'll go viral, so watch for it. I'm going to invite Russell uh, Mueller to come and uh, read scripture for us this morning. Uh, Russell is one of the members of our Board of Elders, and uh, Russell, as you open God's Word, God bless you. Thank you, Art. We're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians, if you want to follow along, chapter 4, uh, verse 7 to the end of the chapter. So we're reading God's Word given by the Holy Spirit. So let's listen and apply it to our lives. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that this life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of the Lord." Therefore, we do, not love, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentarily troubles are, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God bless his word. Mm, Amen. Thank you, Russell. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it is living, it is powerful, it is as a two-edged sword, dividing into the depths of our our very inner being. And we thank you that we can read it, we can... uh, enjoy it, we can heed it, we can apply it to life circumstances. And as we do that, Father, this morning we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to primarily focus on verse 7 this morning. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, the New King James says, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The Amplified Bible puts it this way, However, we possess this precious treasure, 
the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Phillips uh, put it this way in his uh, rendition of scripture, this precious treasure we hold, so to speak, in a common earthenware jar to show that the splendid power of it belongs to God and, and not to us. You know, I've often said that we need to read the scriptures with a focus on the context of the time and the circumstances in which they were written. Now, Pastor Scott has been taking us on a, on a journey through the book of 2 Corinthians. And, uh, you know, we take a look at, at the person who wrote these letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul. And he did not proclaim himself to be great and wonderful and grandiose and so on. He rather proclaimed himself to be a weak humble man. He proclaimed himself to be strong in Jesus, but not strong in his own self. And of course, when he comes to the people in the second letter to the Corinthians, here they have started to embrace some of these super apostles, some of these guys that have come along with great charisma, no doubt handsome, no doubt a flair of, of, of personality that just drew people to them just for the sake of their their grand personality. And here's Paul, not that kind of a man at all. Now, we, we read the scriptures in, in that context, and um, we find in the Gospels, Jesus teaching the people of things they could relate to. He spoke to, to shepherds about sheep. He spoke to fishermen about fish. He spoke to farmers about seed and sowing and reaping and so on, the crop. And once again, the context of the book and the day, we see another common item, an item that the people could relate to, and that's of a common clay pot. Common clay pots were all over the place. Everybody used them for all kinds of things. But we'll speak of the vessel for just a moment, and then we're going to return to the contents of the vessel just a little bit later. Paul says we have treasure in earthen vessels. Well, when he wrote to young Timothy over in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, he reminded Timothy that in a great house there were a lot of different vessels. He said there's some are made from gold and some are made from silver. Vessels used for prestigious events, serving fine food and drink to an elite audience. They were vessels of great honor. They were cleaned and polished and they were even stored in a prestigious location. So when someone came to the home, the vessels were brought out and the drink was served, the food was served, and anything that was served to the, ves- to the, to the guests was served in or on these vessels of great beauty and great grandeur. And of course, the more prestigious the vessels, actually the attention would be drawn to the prestigious nature of the homeowner. The host would be praised and honored for these vine vessels that were being used. Well, some vessels were made of wood and some were made of clay. And in that same household where the gold and silver vessels were found, there would be found vessels made of of, of clay and wood. And they were not in a place of prominence, but they were rather used in the work areas of the home. 
They were used to haul away the garbage and haul away the refuse of all kinds of the parts of life. And sometimes when they were taken out, they weren't even emptied. They were just tossed aside. They were just thrown on the refuge pile. Earthen, the word earthen is an adjective which literally means made out of baked clay. And these describe the pottery or the earthenware. Such earthenware was the least valuable in the ancient Greek household. And once they were broken, they were not repaired. They were just thrown aside. These were often uh, spoken of as the ostraka that has been translated for potsherd or broken pieces of pottery. You can read about that in the book of Job. Well, shards of broken vessels are found in many, many, many archaeological excavations these days. There's a story of the Roman Empire that it ran on olive oil because olive oil was used for cooking and bathing and medicine and ceremonies and lamps and cosmetics and all kinds of uses. And for decades, olive oil was brought in from southern Spain and it was shipped to Rome in large clay jugs called amphorae. Well, these jugs weren't sent back to Spain. They were just simply broken and tossed out. And they were discarded in a growing heap of broken shards known as Monte Testacio. And today, that mountain of broken shards of vessels still sits on the river bank near, on the Tiber River near Rome. In the ancient world, the value was not at all of the vessel, but rather the contents of the vessel. So because of this, the first century followers of Christ would have clearly understood Paul's illustration of the life of Jesus in every believer. And then he said, and I reiterate this verse, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Generally, the more valuable the object to be stored, the nicer the container, we would think. But you know, many times, valuable objects, such as gold coins or gold jewelry, would be stored in a common clay pot and would be put in some kind of an obscure place in the house. Such an effort was done to throw off potential robbers. And one might hide things like that in unassuming containers. Well, Paul is writing to the young church at Corinth to recognize the work of Christ in their life. And he's writing them to point out various different things. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he points out sin in their lives. He seeks to help and guide them in correct thinking and regarding his apostleship on into 2 Corinthians. And he pointed them out in order to develop and maintain a quality relationship with Jesus Christ. He said that they must grow and maintain a deep relationship with him. He's basically saying, friends, work on the contents of the vessel. Don't work on the vessel. Work on the contents. He pleads with them in 1 Corinthians to realize God's faithfulness. He pleads with them to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. He pleads with them that There are amazing things prepared by God for those who love him. 
And he pleads with them to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell within them and to fully direct their lives. He lays out the gospel, and the gospel is simply admitting our sinfulness, believing what Christ did when he died on the cross, taking the punishment for us, and then making a deliberate choice to know him as our Savior and to receive him and to invite him into our lives. He goes on to urge them that we are God's fellow workers. We're in this together, he tells them, and so be faithful, friends. He encourages them to be faithful. He says, you have been washed, you have been sanctified. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you. And he encourages them in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians and verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now that's quite a statement, isn't it? I wonder how many of us would go so far as to say, yes, imitate me the same way I imitate Christ. We might pull back. We might be, be kind of cautious to go ahead and make such a statement. But he encourages them that they're members of the greater body of Christ, the church. I said earlier how much I appreciate the family here. How much I realize that we are, are part of the greater body of Christ. If you're visiting with us this morning and you're from another area, from another Church, thank you for coming. Thank you for connecting. I connected with a, with a couple of men before the first service that are visiting with us, and they went on the internet to see where, where there was a church. They chose us, and uh, what a delightful time we had meeting them and, and sharing with them. Paul teaches them what happens when we die. We don't have to be afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not terribly thrilled about the process. But I'm not afraid to die because I know that I have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And one day I'm going to be with him in his, in his beautiful place that he's preparing for us. He teaches them about life. He teaches them about death. And then he affirms them in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 by lovingly urging them. And he says, my beloved brothers. He wraps his arms, so to speak, around them and says, I love you as a body. I love you as individuals who make up a body. He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Well, it's truly a treasure trove of God's richness and his blessings in the person of Christ indwelling us as the person here of our our being. It's the indescribably precious treasure that we have in this, in this jar of clay, this body in which we live. Our feeble humanity is like that of an easily broken piece of pottery because we are broken people so often. We have bumps and scratches and chips and here we are, this piece of pottery that indwells this indescribably precious treasure. Paul reminded them in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Over in Psalm chapter 55 and verse 22, it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. We have our sustaining grace, our sustaining power, not in the goodness that we bring, but in the goodness that Christ brings to us. 
Paul is begging the people to not be thrown off track by the crafty words of those peddling the word. Pastor Scott shared that, I think, last week or the week before, chapter 2 and verse 17. Those handling the word of God deceitfully. The inferred message in verse 6 here is that there's a sustained relevance in the word of God. Paul urged them to follow him as he followed Christ, indicating a full buy-in on, on his part. Josh mentioned this morning in the interview that, that his full buy-in was about the age of 16. And you know, it's so good to be able to look back on our lives and say, yeah, that was my buy-in. That was the place where I really made the decision that I'm going to walk with Christ and know him in his fullness. Well, and then the ensuing verses address the struggles and, and, and difficulties of the minister of the gospel. Now, may I add here, friends, that I by no means consider that those of us that are, are, are in uh, a career position, those that have chosen to serve as a full-time minister of the gospel and serving as a pastor in a church, there's nothing that is exclusive to us about the gospel. The ministry of the Word of God is not relegated to us solely, but is a part of anyone and everyone who has trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Well, he addresses this in Romans 1.1 where he identifies himself as being called to be an apostle and separated to the gospel of God. Then he goes on in verse 6 to explain that you also are called of Jesus Christ. And that calling is to go out and, and, and share the good news of the gospel. Well, diligence in living out our Christian life requires God's sustaining grace. There's no way we can do it on our own. We can't do what God wants us to do on our own. We need his sustaining grace. Friends, this morning, the presence of God sustains us. The treasure that he speaks of is this precious presence of God indwelling us in this feeble body that we have that fails us so often, the vessel susceptible to damage and to brokenness. The treasure is not man-made charisma. It's not some kind of man-made charm, but it's the presence of God sustaining us. Whatever we have to offer, Maybe the maybe and must be the very presence and fullness of God. It must be the aroma of life to life that pours out from the vessel of our earthly being. The power of God sustains us. As believers, we face all kinds of troubles and difficulties. We find a word in the text, words like hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, and some of us can relate, some of us more so than others perhaps, to be pressed hard, to be put down, to be scolded, to be criticized. And the power of God sustains us. The only way we can survive these situations is the amazing power of God. Jesus promised, I am with you, even to the end of the age. He promised the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. And he promised peace in many, many passages throughout his teachings in the Gospels. Well, back to our text passage, verse 7, that the excellence of the power may be of God and, and, and not of us. Well, thirdly, the portrayal of the resurrected life of Christ is a reality in us as we remember the death of Christ and the death of self. The presence of Christ sustains us. The power of Christ sustains us. And the portrayal of the resurrected life sustains us. 
You know, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul urges us to put to death the earthly self-centered nature. You know, I don't know about you, but I struggle with that from time to time. Because the old nature wants to rise up. The old nature wants to, wants to be recognized. You know, I'm sure every one of us would be pleased if by some means of good deeds and good measure that our picture got in the paper. If we were the citizen of the month or, you know, the, 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 the employee of the month or some such thing, uh, we would be pleased. We would be proud of that. And that's sometimes our problem where our self rises up. Sinful passion, evil desire, greed are some of the things that Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 3. And there is an intentional putting off of the old man, the old nature, an intentional putting on of the new man, the new life, the new nature. Colossians 3 and 4 highlights holiness in family life, work life, and public life. Well, number four, we have the promise of the spirit of faith sustaining us. Verse 13 from the New Living Translation goes like this. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God and so I spoke. Pastor Scott's illustration this morning of not sneaking up on your friend, not a bait and switch with going to the faith hockey night. You know, I believed and therefore I speak. We may be tempted to give up, but a few of us will ever experience the trials and troubles that the psalmist David experienced. I've certainly never experienced things like that, and I trust that many of us have not experienced the things that he experienced all the way from being hunted like a wild animal to all of the circumstances that he went through. Well, verse 16 in our text encourages us, don't give up. Some days you might just feel like, oh, it's not any use. It's not worth it. There's just too many challenges. There's just too many struggles. I think I'll just give it up. I think I'll just walk away, and I think I'll just live my own life. Someone said we may be knocked down, but we're not knocked out. The reality is not that we never stumble or that we never fall, but we don't stay down. We get up. We rise again by the power of God and the promise of the spirit of faith. Romans 10, 17 reminds us that our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. May I encourage you, friends, today to be in God's word daily, whether you're listening to the, the word of God uh, in an audio uh, process, whether you're reading the word of God from, from your electronic device, whether you're opening a Bible and reading it, whether you're doing something else, but be in the word of God every day. It is so tremendously vital and important Because Hebrews 11 says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Well, this treasure that we have, friends, today is the resurrected Christ. That is the treasure that we hold within us, and that's the treasure that we seek to communicate. Paul, in speaking to the Athenians on Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, said, in in acknowledging that they had a place, they had a, a, a worship identification item there that was inscribed to the unknown God. He said, him I make known to you because it's in him we live and move and have our being. So the treasure in our frail earthenware pot is the presence of God. It's the power of God. It's the portrayal of the resurrection of Christ. It's the promise of the spirit of faith. 
So what is this treasure really? In a word, this treasure is the creational transforming power of the gospel. It's the fact that when we see Jesus Christ by the power of the gospel, we were changed, we were transformed, and that transformation moves us along. We are moved along in a new life. We're moved along as followers of Christ. Yes, lowly, perhaps even contemptible clay pots of no reputation, but within him and through us, through us comes that beautiful message of the treasure that is in that vessel. Matthew 6 says, don't store up treasure where moth and rust corrupts and where thieves break in and steal. But Jesus said, store up, and he commands us to make it a goal in life every day to live in such a way that our treasure is being stored up in heaven, not in the goods of this world. Remember, almost always we are drawn to the thing that has beautiful packaging. Companies in this world spend millions and millions of dollars on beautiful packaging, slick advertising, and all kinds of things to make the gift look really, really good. God didn't see any need to package Jesus in a beautiful package. He came as a simple man. He came as a simple baby born in a very, very, very low-down manner in a, in a very obscure place. While the scripture doesn't record really much about his childhood, I'm sure that he was just a kid that played with the other kids. Just, he was just a kid. He grew up as a teen, just, just as a teenager with, with the friends and neighbors and families that, that were around him. Jesus wasn't embarrassed to live in, in, in a common earthly vessel such as that earthen vessel. God wasn't embarrassed to use the, the, the common clay pot, the earthen vessel like us. Someone said the striking contrast between the splendor of the treasure and the commonness of the vessel in which it is stored directs attention away from the preachers to the glory of the message they proclaim. Friends, I don't ever want to come before you as some kind of a, a grandiose vessel. I don't want to come before you as, as, as a wonderful, uh, charismatic person who would say, look at me, look at me. No, I don't want to do that. I want to come before you as, as, as an uncomplicated man that would proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. God desires humble, inconspicuous, weak, frail clay pots like we are, willing to continually be emptied of self so that we might be filled continually to pour out and be filled and pour out again and again the treasure of the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The Amplified Bible puts it this way. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, disappointed, or afraid, though our outer self is progressively wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. Verse 17 says, For our momentary light distress, this passing trouble that we have, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, a fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor, and an endless blessedness. Verse 18 says, So we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are visible, are temporal, just brief and fleeting. But the things which are invisible 
are everlasting and imperishable. Although my outward shell decays, I'm inwardly renewed each day because the life and power of Christ indwells this fragile jar of clay. So friend, where where are you at today? Where are you at today is the is, is the focus of your affections, the focus of your intentions, the focus of your desires and oftentimes expenditures. Are we focusing ourselves on, on, on the vessel? Or are we focusing ourselves on the treasure that can come out, the message of the love of Christ that can flow out from us? Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we come in a way that we must recognize that we really don't have a whole lot to offer. But coming out through us, coming out of the lifestyle that we live, coming out of the message that we speak, can flow the beauty of the treasure of the resurrected Christ. The beauty of the treasure that brings hope, that brings encouragement, that brings help to many around us who feel like giving up. Sometimes in the family we come alongside one another and put our arm physically or figuratively around someone and say, my brother, my sister, it's okay. It's okay. Stand back up. Let's move along. Let's give away the fragrance of the love of Christ. Let's give away the beauty of the resurrected Christ, this treasure that we have in this weak earthen frame, this treasure that we have that goes on forever. This earthly body only lasts for just a few years and it's gone. But, oh God, that we would have that treasure that we would proclaim, the beauty that would go forward And we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement of your word. And we pray that you'd speak to our hearts deeply today, that we would reconnect. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that has never, ever trusted Christ, I pray that they would realize the importance of admitting, A, admitting their sinfulness and their weakness. B, to believe what Jesus has done when he died on the cross. And C, to make a choice, a choice to say, yes, Jesus, I want to believe you. I want to trust you. I want to know you as my Savior. Or Father, maybe there's someone here today that has said, yes, I've trusted Christ, but I'm weak. I'm struggling. Oh God, that we would be able to come alongside, that we would be able to encourage. We would be able to pray with such a one and say, God, here we are. Here we are as vessels that are similar, but we know the beauty of the treasure that lies within. Thank you, God, for your beauty. Thank you for your word today. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.